I want to start the message a little different this morning. I'm going to, uh, uh, there are three people here this morning that I want to um, just bless, and I'll give you the reason why, all right? There's three reasons why. Number one, because I love their spirit. Number two, because they are greatly appreciated. And number three, because you just need to be blessed. How many of you like it when somebody says, you just need to be blessed? And they give you something. You know what I mean? Like they give you something. So I, I want, uh, uh, as I call your name, if you could come, and I want you to actually come up on the platform, if you would. Um, our first recipient, I feel like I'm doing the Oscars. Um, <laughs> you don't have to give an acceptance speech. Um, is Tom Matta. Tom, if you would join me up here. And then Virginia Edney. And Virginia, if you would come. And Rick, if you'd make sure Virginia just nails those steps. Can you make sure she gets up there for me? Tom, thank you. And, uh, and Gary Sins. Where's Gary? Gary's over here. Come on up. <clears throat> um, they're not completely unaware, but they're kind of unaware um, that I'm going to do this. Because Pastor, I told Pastor Nicole I need three people. I have one. She goes, I'll get you two more. So she did, and Tom, I, I, I asked Tom a couple weeks ago, I said, Tom, what's your favorite fruit? And I think he said blueberries, am I right? And I went, that won't work. And he goes, all right, what's your, I said, what's your second choice? He said, oranges. So Tom, these are 10 of the best oranges I can find at Wegmans. They're for you, okay? <clears throat> and then uh, uh, Pastor Nicole got in touch with Virginia, and she said, what's your favorite candy. And she said, oh, I just love chocolate. I love chocolate. So I, I, I bought for you from my pocket, okay, 10 Hershey bars. She lives alone, by the way, right? Am I right? Yeah, these are 10 of the biggest ones I could find at Wegmans. How many of you love Wegmans? Yeah, okay. Well, Wegmans did well. So this, these are 10 candy bars just for you, all right? feel like it's uh, home alone. 10 big candy bars just for me. Um, and Gary... I believe Pastor Nicole got in touch with you and said, you know, what do you really like? And you said chocolate chip cookies, so. Prime rib, actually. Well, <laughs> I, have one, I have one taped to the bottom. Um, well, then you can't have these. <laughs> I love winning. Um, there's 10 of the biggest chocolate chip cookies wow. I can find at Wegmans. God bless you guys. Appreciate it. Have a seat. That is a gift for me to you personally, okay? Title of the message is The Open Hand. How many of you feel like they've just been set up? Oh, to the max. The series is The Open Hand. Centuries ago, there was this king who had an encounter with God. And God said to him, you can have anything you want, anything you want, and I will give it to you. What do you want? And how many of you know if God said to you, you can have anything you want, your mind would race. I mean, my mind would race. I don't know about you, but I know what I'd start to think because I'm very, you know, I'm like some of you. I like stuff. How many of you are here? And Solomon said... I want wisdom. I want to be wise. And God said to him, 
you will be wise. And because you chose wisdom over stuff, I'm going to give you everything else, and you're going to be, honestly, statistically and comparatively, the richest man who ever lived. So he got wisdom, and he got stuff. How many of you think that's a pretty sweet arrangement? So Solomon, while he was king, he was a journaler. How many of you know what a journaler is? People that keep journals. I'm not that kind of guy. I just kind of keep it all up here. There are people that write down. I really admire people that do journals. It's hard to keep track and write everything. But he did. And he wrote three, what we have is three kind of journals of Solomon. The first one, scholars say, he wrote when he was very, very young. And if you've ever read it, you'll fully understand why they say he was young. He wrote a book in the Bible that you probably have never heard a sermon from, or if you have, it's been very infrequent. He wrote a book called Song of Solomon. Does anybody here know? Yeah, and, and if we read it in the Living Bible version, we would not read it publicly. I'm just shooting straight with you. I'm being honest. He wrote about how he was in love, and he was young, and he described his love, and it was just so, just really specific. <laughs> and that was his first journal, and, and scholars believe that he wrote it when he was probably in his 20s. And how many of you, a lot of you fell in love when you were in your 20s, right? And you remember across a crowded room, you saw a stranger and, and you made your way and, and you just met, your eyes met. How many of you are here? The wives are reaching over right now, grabbing a hold of the husband's hand going, I remember, I remember. And the guy's going, man, I don't. I just don't. <laughs> so that's his first book, Song of Solomon. And then when he was in his later years, as a matter of fact, he describes his, himself as a man who had a gray bowl on his head. And the reason he did that is because it was his gray hair. It was the last book he wrote. And it's the book of Ecclesiastes. It's got all these great truths. And really what he was writing was a departing letter to say, look, my time on earth is almost done. I want to leave these words as a legacy. And he wrote this very short book in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes. It's a great read. And in between the two in his middle years, he wrote this book that all of us are familiar with. It's called the Book of Proverbs. Everybody here heard of the Book of Proverbs? And throughout the Book of Proverbs, he writes... If you could rename the book of Proverbs, probably a good title for it would be Stuff That Works. <laughs> or Read the Directions. <laughs> so he wrote this book, the Proverbs, and, and, and today that's where our text comes from. He wrote the third chapter. I'm only going to grab one verse. But the whole third chapter is, I've done this and this is what... The, the, the end product was. I've done this, and this is what the end product was. I've done this, and these are the things that I've done that work. So the text today is Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. From the New International Version, it reads like this. 
Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim, brim over, overflow with new wine. Let's pray. Father, I pray that uh, throughout the next several minutes, you'd speak to all of our hearts, you'd encourage us, and Lord, that we would gain a heart of generosity. May, may this message speak to as many people as possible, but to some in particular about really becoming a generous person. I pray you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. A fight is going on inside me, said an old man to his son. It's a terrible fight between two wolves. One wolf is evil. evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. And the other wolf is good. He's joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. And the same fight, my son, is inside you. The son thought about it for a minute, and then he asked, which one will win, Dad? And his father said simply, the one you feed. How many of you are here? The one you feed. The first thing I want to say to you this morning by way of introduction is, Jesus was generous. You can write down, that down in your notes. I'm sure it's incredibly profound. Jesus was generous. Jesus was generous in coming to live with us in human form. How many of you know that was an incredible, incredible humbling experience? Look at the screen. Philippians 2.7 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Everybody see that? He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. I read the story of a missionary who once said, it's hard for me to imagine moving from my comfortable home in Newton, Kansas, to a Muslim village in northern Africa living in a one-room mud-plastered house with a dirt floor and cooking open an over an open fire, I'd feel I had given up a lot to be with people who weren't interested in my message. Our Mennonite mission workers have done that. That's what Jesus did, but at an even more intense level. Jesus gave up the comforts and joys of triune and eternal companionship with the Father and the Spirit to enter into the messiness of living with sinful, how many of you are here, broken humanity, hypocrisy, violence, sickness, and greed. And Jesus came to share a new vision for living in humility, compassion, and mercy. How many of you understand Jesus was incredibly generous? He was, in, he was generous to the infinite level that can't even be measured. Now, I will tell you that it's always hard for any pastor to talk about being generous because it has to do with our money. Why is it so hard for us to talk about, be instructed on, and part with our stuff? 
Why do we cringe when the preacher says, we're going to talk about tithing? How many of you are already cringing? Some of you are new today. We don't talk about, we don't talk about money. We talk about money very rarely. How many of you are here? But we preach on giving every week. Do you all hear me? We, we, don't talk, we talk about money very rarely, but we talk about giving every week. So we are specifically in a series talking about being, having an open hand. First thing I want to tell you is money has no power. I just want to tell you that. I've been doing premarital counseling for years, decades. And one of the questions I asked in one of the sessions is, what do you think the biggest problem in marriage is? And people inevitably, about 90% of the time, say, oh, money. And I am always prepared. So I pull out some money from my pocket. As a matter of fact, let me illustrate. Is there a sophomore here this morning at Edinburgh? You're a sophomore? Are you a second semester sophomore? Okay, I want you to come up, stand right here, okay? <clears throat> because I want you to pray for this young man. What's your name? What's your name? Josiah. Josiah? Yes, sir. Good job. You got it first try. All right. That's a joke. All right. Josiah, you're a college student, right? Yes. Okay. Well, I have a $20 bill here. All right. And I want to, now don't spiritualize. Don't get all spiritual on me. Okay. Don't be like, oh, he's a pastor. I have to tell him what I, you know what I mean? You say whatever you think we, you know, whatever the answer is, you feel free to say it. Comfortably, yes, all right? This is a $20 bill. I'm going to lay it right here, all right? You see it? Yes. Yeah, it. It, watch it. Yes, yeah, right okay? Just look at it. It ain't yours, okay? Yeah, got your eye on it, okay? That's a $20 bill. So this is what I'm going to ask you. Yes. If that was your $20 bill, now, this has no power. It can't get up, walk away. Right. It has no, am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got zip. It's yeah. a piece of paper. Can't do nothing. Right, nothing. Thank you. You want to stay? Yeah, good. Um, You're a big help. Um, So if I were to say this is your $20 bill, I'm going to give you this $20. What would you do with it? If it was your $20 bill, what would you, I mean, be honest. Don't get spiritual on me, okay? Like right now? Yeah, like right now, like today, like right after church. Like what would you do? I would probably pick it up and put it in my wallet. Yeah. And then uh, keep it there for a while. Yeah. And probably spend it at Walmart. Probably spend it at Walmart. (laughs) Right. And, and it, since it's my $20 bill, like it is, right? Yes, yeah, it's my $20. It's not yours, right? Correct. That's, that's correct. Here's what I think we should do with it. Okay. I think I should put it back in my wallet, yeah. right? Correct. So here's the issue. It's not the $20 bill, right? It's not the money. Correct. It's what do we do with it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. All right, go to Walmart. You can be seated. Did you all catch the point? not money it's the heart what's in the heart where's our heart so if you're guests with us I want you to tell I want to tell you this is not about money it's about our heart I believe we have problems talking about our stuff because be quite honest with you we don't believe that 90% of our income is enough the title of the message today is Is 90% enough? Is 90% enough? Could you live on 90% of what you earn? That's up to you to answer on a practical level, but Scripture says you can. Because our text said, give your first fruits. And we'll talk about that in a minute. In order to live with an open hand, we need a healthy heart. 
Now, I kind of know what it is to have friends and family that have unhealthy hearts. I'm one of nine kids. I have two brothers. One is six years older, one is six years younger. And my older brother has had open heart surgery. He's had 16 stents. And uh, how many of you know that's a lot of stents? And he's 70 years old and uh, gets treated with all kinds of stuff. And I have a little brother who I'm incredibly close with, who is uh, 54, going to be 55. He's had two major heart attacks. He's got like 12 stents. They both have serious, how many of you know that's serious heart problems? And I have none. Go figure, okay? Yeah, go figure. But I want to tell you something. It was a great relief to me when I went to see a heart surgeon, finally, because I was, I was walking around just waiting for the day that I was going to, you know, say, Elizabeth, it's the big one, okay? <laughs> uh, do I have a witness? Look at these guys. They're going, I got no idea who Elizabeth is, <laughs> right? But I got a witness here. And I was living in this fear that, you know, man, one of these days, I'm just going to go, ah, you know, here it is. And finally, my doctor said, I want you to go see this now. So anyway, they did these, these tests and these, uh, these um, scans and gave me medicine. And I got all done. And the doctor took me in his office. And you know what he said to me? He said, Steve, have you been worried about having a heart attack? I said, I have. I live that way. He said, how often do you think about it? I said, every day. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, whatever your older brother has and your younger brother has, you didn't get it. And I looked at him, I said, you serious? He goes, dead serious. Dude, we're taking off all your statins, taking off your, all, all your medicine. He said, you just go. And, and the best thing he said, because 10 years ago, a doctor told me if I didn't become a vegetarian, I was going to die young. And I said to him, how long do I have? <laughs> and I'm not lying. I'm dead serious. And he looked at me, he said, this is not a laughing matter. I got to, somehow I got to get you back, all right? <laughs> and he said to me, you do not have heart problems, and you can quit worrying about it. You can eat whatever you want, and obviously I've been taking advantage of that. Um, <laughs> you can eat anything you want, stop worrying about it, and go and enjoy life. Man, guys, I want to tell you something. There's nothing like an authority telling you you have a healthy heart. There's nothing like that. And I went home to Susan, and I said, we're going out for wings. And she's like, why? I said, because I can, and we shall. <laughs> so the whole message today is, I want, I want you someday to be to a point where God looks at, at all of us and says, you know what? That issue they have and that issue they have, that's not your issue. You don't have that issue. You have a healthy, generous heart. In order to live with an open hand, we have to ask God to give us a healthy heart. So what are the barriers to a healthy heart when it comes to our stuff? The first barrier to a healthy heart is selfishness. We need to ask God to forgive our selfish heart. Let me ask you a question. You know, now we're, we're watching these. I love grandchildren. I really do love grandchildren. We have five. We've got a sixth on the way. And uh, I love grandchildren because at the end of the day, we can go here. 
It's a good thing. But, I mean, I love them. They're so cool. We have fun. Um, and, and, uh, but I will tell you, one of the greatest challenges with my grandchildren is they have this selfish heart. Am I right? What's the first thing a kid learns to say? That's mine. And it could be sitting over there, and you're not even using it, but if someone touches it, they go, I'm playing with that. No, no, you're not. You're not. You weren't playing. No, I, I, well, I was going to, so anyway, it's mine. My oldest daughter told her kids, she brought them all in the room one day. She said, let me tell you something. Here's the deal. Everything in this house, daddy and I bought, it ain't yours. You may have control over it for a period of time, but when you're done with it, it's community property. I mean, they're a little, they're a little young for that kind of talk, but basically she said, it's not mine. It's yours if you're using it. When you're done with it, it's everybody's. And if you have it, no one else can take it. Do we have an understanding? Okay, she should have went to West Point. Solomon states, to honor the Lord with your wealth. Selfishness is something that has to do with honor. Can I talk to you for a minute? He said the, the word honor is an interesting word. Have you ever heard the word glory, guys? You know, we'll say, oh, we'll give God the glory. Or all the glory goes to God. That word glory, man, it is jam-packed with meaning. It comes from a Hebrew word, uh, kabod, K-A-B-O-D. And I just love the word in the, in the Bible because uh, actually the word um, honor is the same word for glory, which seems really weird, but they're the same exact word. And what it means is weighty. It literally means something that's heavy or weighty. The figurative meaning, however, is far more common. It means to give weight to someone to give honor to someone. And uh, I, I, I was praying for the message yesterday, and I want to talk to you guys that are in the Chi Alpha, okay? We love you guys. How many of you just love the fact that we really do? And I told them before the service, we missed you last week. It's like those seats are reserved. <laughs> Nobody would sit there just, just in case you were coming in. But I want to share something with you, and, and, and we... I'm going to ask you to take this to the next generation. Honor, reverence, and respect. I know that it's probably one of the toughest things to see, but humility is not the brand word of your, of your generation. Am I, I'm not being critical, am I? You guys, you guys hear my heart? Set, set the pace. Set the pace to be humble to be reverend. How many of you remember that word? You know, it's a kabod, honor, honor. There are certain people and things we should honor, and one of them is God. It says, honor God with your first fruits. To honor someone, then, is to give weight or to grant a person a position of respect and even authority in your own life. Humility is the first step to being unselfish. Unselfishness says, it's not mine. It all belongs to God. How many of you are here? It's not mine. It all belongs to God. If he asks for it tomorrow, 
I'd give it to him. Are you here? I didn't see. I knew you wouldn't be like real excited about that. <laughs> but if he asked for it all, Pastor Steve, yeah, if he asked for it all. Centuries ago, Solomon said, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and whoever and one who waters will himself be watered. A generous heart is like a breath of fresh air. It's infectious. It overflows. It desires to be passed forward. It, it inspires. It breathes hope. It's available to all. How many of you just love it when someone is generous to you? Say, here, I just want to bless you. Because I love you, and you're, you're deserving of honor, and I just want to bless you. The first thing we have to do is ask God to forgive us our selfish heart. Generosity is at its core a lifestyle, a lifestyle in which we share all that we have, all that we are, or all that we will ever become as a demonstration of God's love and a response to God's grace. I'm going to tell you a quick story about a guy named Robert Morris, <clears throat> who is my kind of my uh, hero. I've never met him. I'd love to someday. Um, Robert Morris pastors a church in, in Dallas, Texas. He's given away everything he owns twice, and that means everything. His four, uh, 403B, his, his, his retirement account, his house, his cars. He's given away like 13 cars. Just gives stuff away, and God continues to bless him. And, and one time, he and his wife were out with two of their friends, and Robert went to, uh, left the table, and uh, the wife of the friends said uh, to his wife, Deb, why, why do you guys, why does, why does Robert give everything away? I mean, what's, what's the reason? I mean, he gives away your house? I mean, what do you, that's crazy. And he gives away all your money and all your car. He just gives away everything and starts again at zero. And she got these, his wife, Deb, she got these tears in her eyes, and she started to cry. And her friends looked at her, and she said, I need to tell you a story. When I married Robert, he was not a Christian. He was a really messed up person. And she said, then God changed his life, totally changed his life. And she said, Robert does this. And I'll ask him, why are we doing this? And he said, this is, write this down somewhere. Robert does this because he just never got over being saved. How many of you are here? And I mean, I still get goosebumps when I, when I say that. I pray I never get over being saved. I just can't imagine not being generous after what God has done for me. We ask God to heal our selfish hearts. We need to ask God to forgive us of our grieving heart. This is interesting. Selfishness attacks us before we give. How many of you are here? You look at that paycheck, it comes in, and you think, all right, when you get 10%, ugh. I, you got, how many of you have ever, some of you that are new Christians, when you hear this concept, you go, yeah, that's not going to happen. Okay? I ain't giving 10%. No, I'm not going to do it. But let me, let me talk to you for a moment. When you look at that, the first thing we think is we don't want to give. There's times Susan and I will say, hey, Sue, I think we ought to do this. And she'll look at me and she goes, well, 
if you think we should, then we should, and go ahead, that's fine with me, and that's kind of how we function, but it wasn't always that way. So even if we give that away, we have nothing. I know, babe, but I really, all right. So the first, selfishness attacks us before we give. Grief attacks us after we give. How many of you are here? All right, let's give it. All right, we give it. Okay, we got nothing. How are we going to make it? I don't know. But if God's in it, I always said this, where God guides, he provides. Or another nice way of saying it is, if it's God's will, then it's God's bill. All right? So grief attacks us afterwards. When you come into the land which I give you, Leviticus 23.10, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. The concept of first fruits is, located, is rooted in biblical times when people lived in an agrarian society. Harvest time was significant because that was when the hard work the farmers had poured into their crops all year began to pay off. They were literally reaping what they sowed. God called his people to bring the first yield, or what is called the first fruits, or quite literally, the first tenth, from their harvest to him as an offering. Listen, this was to demonstrate the Israelites' obedience and reverence for God. It also showed, this is very important, it also showed that they trusted God to provide enough crops for the rest of the year to feed their family. So, well, if we do this, then God has promised he will provide. Back then, there were plenty of rules associated with making first fruit sacrifices. They had to be brought to the temple first, temple priests, and no other crops could be harvested until after the first fruits were, present, were presented. And how many of you are with me? I mean, if I was an apple farmer and I saw a good apple on a tree, the first thing I would not like to do is pull off the best and take them to the temple. Are you with me? I'm just telling you, that's just being honest. I'm on, I, I know me. Well, I, mean, I wouldn't take it to the church without trying it. <laughs> the Hebrew word for first fruit is literally translated a promise to come. The Israelites saw these first fruits as an investment in their future. God told them that if they brought their first fruits to him, he would bless all that came afterwards. So when you tithe, you're basically saying, God, I give this to you. I'm not going to look back at it and go, oh my goodness, why did I do that? That's a grieving heart. I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to trust. Everybody say trust. I'm going to trust that you will provide for everything I need. And God said that if you did, that he would bless you. Regret and grief is the silent voice that stops us from being generous because it says, can you really trust God? That's what grief says. Can you really trust God? Grief leads us to give what's left over after we plow the fields. And let me tell you something about what's left over. You know who that's for? The widow and the orphan. That's extra giving. Leave the corner of your property. 
leave it so that if anybody comes by and can't afford to eat, they can stop and take some food out of the corner of your field. This is a farmer's agrarian analysis. Everybody with me? But that's who it was. It was just, that's offerings. The best corner is God's corner. Okay, hold on, hold on. The best corner is God's corner. All right, it's spoken like a true group of people going, just because you asked. <laughs> Grief says, if you give it, you might regret it. Generosity says, I'm going to give it, and I'm not going to worry about it. Finally, we need to ask God to give us a generous heart. At some point, you'll have to decide if you believe that generosity is worth it. Solomon, listen. This is not my message, although I'm speaking it. Let me share something with you. Solomon was the richest man who ever lived. However, and an analysis has been done on Solomon's riches. If he were living today, he would be richer than the guy that owns Amazon who's not doing real well right now. Okay? He would leave him in the dust. So it's one thing for a television preacher to tell you, send me your money and I'll send you this. That's not what Scripture's teaching. What he's, what, this is from the richest man who ever lived. And if he was living today, he would be the richest man. And he would come up here and he would share the message and say, give your first fruits and God will take care of the rest. It wasn't from a needy guy. It wasn't from some manipulator. He just said, this is the Proverbs. These are the things I've seen that work. And I want to tell you, I do this. So I give the first fruits of what I have without grief or selfishness. Ask God to make us like Solomon. And finally, Solomon says, if you do this, your barns will overflow and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, this is not a teaching on wine. Because some of you right away, right away, I know where your brain's going. Dude, he just said you get, we'll talk about that some other time. All right? I'm going to give you the crux of the teaching here. This is so cool. It's such a rich picture. How many of you have ever gone to the grocery store and bought a dozen lemons? All right. How many of you have ever seen a lemon? All right, good. Now we're, now we're together. And you take it home, and you cut it in half, and you realize that your lemon is a lemon. Are you here? Because you go to squeeze it, and it's not juicy. It's not, you go, those lemons I got, there's no juice in them. And this is what Solomon was teaching. He said, this is what will happen. Your 10 lemons will produce more juice than a hundred lemons. Are you with me? He said, when you, when you go to make your wine out of your grapes and you put them in the wine press, your grapes are going to be highly productive. Anybody here work at Welch's? Right? It's a good, good thing, right? He said, when that happens, he said, your vats are going to overflow. Here's a vat. A vat is a trough. Like a, it looks like a, uh, in, in ancient times, it looks like a rain gutter. And then the rain gutter goes down into a, a filter. That's just 
the, the, the first vat. When you have a great crop, there's a second vat. And they put a second vat under the first vat. And what Solomon is saying is, your vats will overflow, not on the ground. Not only will your first vat be full, but you better put that second rain gutter in because that juice is going to overflow that first rain gutter and it's going to fill the second rain gutter. And on a good day, you might need a third one. That's what he said. He said, if you do this, God will make your vats to overflow. And when you buy lemons... They will make lemonade. Are you following me? So, first we have a selfish heart. Second, we have a grieving heart. Now we have a generous heart. And look what happens. Being generous is a matter of heart. The three aspects of development. Ask God to heal our selfish heart. Ask God to heal our grieving heart. And ask God to give us a generous heart. Now, the three people that got their gift. I need you to come back on the platform because you were set up. Um, come on back up here if you would. And I just want to talk to you for a moment. Bring your gift with you, by the way. Yeah, don't just come here. Bring your gift. Okay. Yeah, I know. Yours are all gone, Gary. You shouldn't have done that. Okay. It's going to really mess up the illustration. All right. So I gave them 10. No, you don't ever have to come back, man. You're good. You don't even have to tithe on yours. Yours was just a gift. Isn't that wonderful? You only have to give $2. All right. By the way, it's my wife's money, so we're all good. Okay? Now, would you all agree that 10 is a pretty good gift, right? You got, a, you got enough of what you like? You would agree, right? It's beautiful, right? More calories than I could burn in Yeah, I hear you. But you have a son, am I right? We're not telling. Don't good, you good man. Don't you tell. All right. Let me just ask you a question. If I if I were to ask you that, you know, I mean I gave it to you. It's mine. I gave it to you. Would you be willing to give me one cookie? I'll give you half. No, 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 I just want one. I'll, I'll give you one. Yeah. I just want one. Can you get one out for me? Okay. Tom, can I have an orange? Oh, absolutely. Okay, man. Thank you. And and help. I can't get it. Can, oh, so you don't want it. So, so that's your excuse? Yeah, that's your excuse. Yeah. Oh, I didn't have my wallet. No, you can't use that here, okay? Almost worked. Can I have one? Okay, let me, let me, okay, I got one, I got one of each. All right, thank you. Now, stay with me for a minute. <clears throat> is, is, is nine enough? Is nine enough? I mean, is nine cookies enough for you? Is that, is that good? It's plenty? Can you eat nine oranges? <laughs> Cindy, will you help? Okay. Is nine candy bars enough for just you? More than enough, right? So you all agree that's more than enough. Stay here for a minute. I want to give a cookie away to a senior. All right, Jen, come on. I saw your hand. No, I saw you. Come on. I was going to give it to an Edinburgh student, but I'm going to give it to the vice principal of our school. Come on up, Jen. And you know what? You earn it every day. Stay right, right up here, okay? She shot her hand up so fast. Like, right. No, I saw it. Yeah. And, uh, and does anybody here like chocolate? Anybody? Almonds? Chocolate with almonds? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. yeah. And, and let me share something with you. Whenever you raise your hand in church, go like this. Okay? Don't go like this. I caught you that time next time. Okay? There you go. Enjoy. 
And this orange I want to give to my wife because she loves oranges. Come on up, come on up front, okay? And um, I want you to stay. stay. I, I love Susan. <laughs> Susan's just wonderful. And her mom turned 90 on Friday. And she drove six hours one way on Friday to have dinner and six hours yesterday to come home. So you can have this orange. And let me share something with you. I don't want any of it. And you can tell them why. I don't like oranges, all right? <laughs> just stand right here. Now, I want to show you something before you go home, all right? I just showed you the concept of, of giving your first fruits. Here's the first fruit. Everybody see it? These three? They, got, they can work with 90% of what I gave them. And then the other 10%, they gave away. And I got it and said, well, I don't need it. So with the other 10%, are you following me? We bless people. The church does its work. We honor God with, with what you sacrificed to bless this church. So how many of you here today will say, Pastor Steve, I get it. 90% is enough. And 10% in God's hands, my final statement, 90%, 10% in God's hands and blessed by God is worth more than 100% without God's blessing. All right? I want you to stand with me if you will. You guys stay right here. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to stand with me, and I want to pray that we would all embrace a generous heart. We pray, God, to take away our selfishness, keep us from grieving, and help us to be generous. Father, we pray that this message would be in our hearts so strong that we just never get over being saved. And God, we live on what you promised us, and we give on what you've instructed us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.